I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one. Do you want anything from the shop? Cornetto. Chocolate! It doesn't say anything about a chocolate, does it? No. No, it doesn't. Sure it doesn't. So fuck off! My boy says he can eat 50 eggs, he can eat 50 eggs. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore! You're certifiable, Quint, you know that? You're certifiable! Hello, Dimitri. Listen, I, I can't hear too well. Do you suppose you could turn the music down just a little? Oh, that's much better. Hello and welcome to the first Spool podcast of 2017. I'm Nigel and he's Pork. Hello. So uh, this month we're going to be reviewing the brand new Trainspotting 2 sequel. We're going to chat about some of the most notable films that are on screen right now, including Manchester by the Sea, La La Land and Jackie. And we're going to preview the upcoming ADIF or the Dublin International Film Festival. But first up, here's Jackie. You'll have to share something personal eventually. People won't stop asking until you do. And if I don't, they'll interpret my silence however they want. Her brow furrows. Her lips are drawn. She holds back her tears, but she can't hide her anger. Most writers want to be famous. You want to be famous? No, I am fine as I am, thank you. You should prepare yourself. This article will bring you a great deal of attention. Oh, in that case, any advice for me? Yes. Don't marry the president. <laughs> Are you afraid I'm about to cry again? No, I, I say you're more likely to scream. Scream what? My husband was a great man. There we go. Natalie Portman as Jacqueline Onassis Kennedy, Jacqueline Beauvier Kennedy, Kennedy like whatever. Mm. Um, her name being, of course, Jackie. So this film, we actually saw this a couple of weeks ago, so it's a little bit hard to... Remember, we saw it before Christmas, I think. Yeah, they did the press screen for very early. Yeah, so um, I I suspect all of it was ready to go and then possibly closer to the time they felt this was a good film to bring out on the day of the inauguration of the 45th president of the United States, mm. um, which was a... It was good getting to see it early because you kind of saw it before there was any buzz and then they did actually another press screen maybe a week or two ago and then it was coming out kind of had all this headwind behind it where it's just like five stars everywhere and you know she's tipped for Oscars and I was like really? But mm. um, anyway. Yeah because it, it's a difficult one when you see something with all that kind of weight but we'll talk about some films like that such as La La Land and Manchester by the Sea where they carry a huge amount of promotional and critical buzz and then you're going to see them so you have a lot of these preconceptions which I hate, you hate but anyway. Uh, yeah so it's from the director Pablo Larrain who um, he brought out three films in 2016. Only two of them made it on well actually one of them made it onto Irish screens but uh, he had The Club which I didn't get to see come out in spring um, and then he had uh, Jackie which was out in the US in the autumn and then also uh, an upcoming film with um, Gael Garcia Bernal Gael you know who I'm talking about yeah um, called Neruda about the Chilean that's in Edith actually oh they have that okay. yeah, yeah so he has um, he has some very good sonnets um, the name Naruto was in my head uh, a month ago when I was looking at sonnets that one could have at like an event or something. You know? Cool. So, so anyway, that um, also came out last sort of autumn. So three films as fictional films as a director to come out in the one year, I think has to be some sort of record. I know Werner Herzog had three that came out in America last year, but two of them were documentaries. Yeah. Less of his print on it, but... Anyway, the Pablo Lorraine yeah. sidetrack there. Uh, it, the film stars Natalie Portman 
um, as Jackie Kennedy and she's the she's playing the former first lady very simple kind of narrative structure she sits down with a journalist for Life magazine played by Billy Crudup who we heard in the clip there um, just relaying it's about a f- is it a couple of weeks after the assassination of her husband I think maybe a fortnight or something but yeah but it is very much in that time frame kind of and they do flashbacks yeah. to other things and it's yeah it's it's raw for her but it's very simple in terms of how they actually made it so um I suppose my I, I, my review is on the site, so I'm not just going to rehash everything there, but it's weird. Like, I had problems with it, but I think everyone probably needs to see it, if that makes any sense. Like, you know, there's three star films that you're, like, completely forgettable and pointless, but there's a lot in this that's you can get your teeth into, but the problems sort of outweigh it. So I think Natalie Portman is good with her accent and her voice and her little... In, yeah, I always know, struggle with films like this because it's... Uh, when you have kind of reference material to go back to you're like oh yeah she did a really good impersonation now of Jackie so you have that but like when you're watching her it's so obvious that it's an impersonation and I kind of find it hard to get lost in the character like the best thing for me about the film was the fact that like I when I was younger I was kind of obsessed when I saw JFK and got into the whole assassination Oliver Stone yeah 26 years old this year just has a film conspiracy theories and stuff like that so I was like wow but what Jackie did was bring it back to the fact that yeah, he also was a father of two kids. He had a wife and just the the much more human aspect of it without the kind of crazy conspiracies. Yeah, the assassination happens, but it's all sort of told from her perspective and her memory. And maybe this is it, like in that era, I'd say within that week, maybe no one really knew much like about mm. the Lee Harvey Oswald sort of theories and the Patsy things. Like, whereas if it happened now, we'd probably know. Mm. It, Twitter would be... And they do show the Zapruder part of uh, the assassination and stuff and it, that kind of grates at some points because you're like you don't need that it was a bit uh, um, jarring or something the music in it is absolutely bonkers it's by the female composer who did Under the Skin yeah Mika Levy yeah did did you like it, the score? I just thought it didn't suit the film it kind of it, it jarred too much for me everyone's kind of raving about it like the score is good but it just kind of makes the film seem absolutely bonkers and John Hurt uh, plays a priest in it I'd completely um, forgotten about John Hurt yeah, until you've mentioned it. He plays a priest in it that Jackie has a couple of conversations with and they do this mad thing where the conversations are about an inch apart from each other talking to each other and I was like this is just what is going on here like it's it's trying to concoct this whole what do you mean their heads yeah their heads they are speak, like an inch apart it's very closely framed yeah they? and I was just like this is a bit silly um, but yeah yeah it, 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 another thing that again the authenticity bit the, vo- the voice and all that is 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 good and I think mostly historically accurate around all that but the the way it, sh- it looks shot on 16 mil and there's bits of the um original 16 mil like this is a Bruder film and other they do this lovely thing which i liked early on where they showed um jackie's tour of the white house in 1962 which you can watch the whole thing on youtube um and they relay that and they shot that on on video film like he did this with no and again the Chilean film where he did it on the old news cameras um, these old magnetic tape things so it looked really really shit I suppose is the yeah, kind of yeah. way but, but of its time yeah and of its time so um, I liked all that but I don't know it just as a structure from ABC telling the and story and the whole way that it was the story was told in the interview format you're just like oh, again you know because we had it last year maybe the year before with um, the Ray Davies 
documentary with Ewan McGregor biopic Miles Davis played him or no sorry the, the documentary film but the film by Miles Davis Miles that, Davis yeah yeah, kind of followed, ahead, yeah followed the same kind of thing where there's an interview but that like, was much better though because yeah, they that got worked a little well. bit abstract and artistic yeah and, but with this you're just kind of like oh I don't know it's like a narration without having it or something I was just like oh. it's gotten a lot of praise so like the, the Kennedy Institute and like Noel Whelan Ryan Tuberty all these like Kennedy academics are really liking it and but if they wanted to go down that route with the film, they should they shouldn't have had that score in there, which turns it into a horror film. Because there are some incredible visual bits where, like, she's in the shower, the suit is covered in blood, like that really does stick in your head. And stuff with the kids is good, um, but don't know, mm. we're a bit we're a bit undersold. Yeah, like three stars seems kind of on the money, you Thanks. know. And if our, you're, our collective yeah, vision, we but don't. Uh, I don't, and I hope she doesn't win the best Oscar for it. Yeah, we're yet to see 21st Century Women, which uh directed by Mike Mills um, with, what's her face? Is this the astronaut film? No, that's Hidden... Figures. Yeah. You know, Annette Benning. It's not even on the screen. There we go. I just had to kind of work it out. So, sorry, Annette Benning, I think, is probably more of a favourite at the minute, but... We'll see where Haven't seen, goes. yeah, okay, yeah. So the Oscar nominations aren't in Tuesday, so we'll talk about that more then. Dun, dun, dun. As we dun, dun. but yeah, Jackie, it's it's just not something I want to. I don't want to talk about it too much. I do want yeah. to talk about Train Spotting Two, though. Yes, mm-hmm. Train Spotting Two uh, opens on Friday the twenty seventh, and we got to see it during the week, and it's so it follows on pretty much twenty years later after uh, a recap of the first film is a drug deal goes down. The four lads, Renton, Sick Boy, Spud and Bigby are doing a heroin deal. They get 16 grand for it and Renton, played by Ewan McGregor, runs off with all the money apart from four grand, which he left for Spud because like, Spud's pretty dimwit and never really hurts anyone. So he's more so robbed from Bigby and Renton. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and Sick Boy. And Sick Boy, sorry. Mm. So it's 20 years later, starts off. And Ewan McGregor just comes back to Edinburgh. Um, you're not really sure why. He kind of has this thing where he falls off a treadmill and knocks his head. And it's, then that goes into the title In the sequence. perfect pose, though. Yeah. Like, his lie down. I don't know if that's intended, but to me, that visual reference of him lying, his pose sort of in the recovery position or something, is yeah. exactly from the first film, uh-huh. isn't it? It yeah, like it, yeah. Didn't it? Neither so, of us had watched it. You'd watched a bit of it the night before Lisa mm. was catching up on it. I hadn't seen the, the first yeah. film in like 10, 12 years. Sort of deliberately didn't catch yeah. it. Yeah. So it's in the yeah. cinema. That's yeah yeah put it on last week. it's great because it kind of and it's good you can see that there's certain shots that are identical to the first one and he has Danny Boyle has kind of woven it in um, so Renton comes back to Edinburgh uh, meets Spud and Sick Boy and we learn that Bigby is still in prison for uh, did they say what it was like assault or robbery or something yeah um, so he's he, being denied his yeah. early release so he's still in prison and it's just kind of catching up with where we have and uh, we have a small clip here of Ewan McGregor as Renton talking to Spud I can't fail again Mark you know I need to detox the system oh, Spud detox the system what does that even mean it doesn't mean anything it's not getting it out of your body that's the problem it's getting it out of your mind you are an addict I think I haven't heard that a hundred thousand times Mark you got 12 more steps for my comedy. So be addicted. Be addicted to something else. Like you're running until I feel sick. Yes. Or something else. You've got to channel it. You've got to control it. People try all sorts. Some people do boxing. Boxing? Well, it's just an example. I don't... <laughs> I don't mean you should... So what did you channel into? 
getting away. Yeah, so everyone has to get addicted to running. Um, yeah, so really, really loved it. Uh, it kind of, I think it keeps, it's a great tempo. It knows exactly what it's about because it comes into this kind of reflection of the last 20 years of their life and where they've come from and they kind of do these other ritualistic things. There's a bit where they go and visit. Uh, Tommy in the first film died. He died of... Uh, AIDS so the kind of and one of the best lines from the film is where uh, Sick Boy says to Renton just like you're just a tourist in your own nostalgia and you're just like that's what the whole film is about kind of this nostalgia and there's a new female character in it uh, I can't remember the name off the top of my head uh, Veronica yeah, Veronica she, yeah she plays Sick Boy's uh, love interest and it's kind of a love triangle it's sort of everyone's love yeah. interest it's a very well <clears throat> So she's kind of putting the thing being like, Jesus, you are obsessed with the past. Like, this is nonsense. Why are you so fixated on it? And there's a deadly bit where Ewan McGregor's talking about going to a match with George Pest. And he's like, I didn't see the match. Like, you know, because there was a tall guy standing in front of me. But I have the program from it. So I was there. Like, you know, and you're just like, yeah, we all just collect this nonsense artifacts. Yeah. And Well, it's very, it's very, very smart. Um, All that. We talk about these kind of things like you know sort of like pub conversation about nostalgia and when someone announces like people people talk about when bands get back together and how it's going to be so amazing and it's never amazing like i really really hope the smiths never reform because they're pretty much the only big band who've actually held out and never done it and said screw this like everyone else seems to be happy to just try to relive and get another payday and then like guns and roses selling out slain and all this weird 90s thing because everyone I guess they're all in their mid-40s, are they, in this Oh, film? I'd say so, yeah. And that's, like, such a weird era in men's lives, like, because potentially you're either kind of married and you're content, you might have kids, you could... Or certainly you're, you've moved on, you can't be young, you don't go out... And, or if you're going out twice a weekend, then it's, it's probably a, a bigger sad, problem. Yeah. yeah. So it's a fascinating kind of thing. And then you end up revisiting. Your nights out end up being to to go to see these like tribute bands to like the Stone Roses or something and it's also sad like I don't know what a man in the 40s in one's 40s is meant to we've like 15 years before this hits but it's a fascinating kind of era and the cast in this and I guess Danny Boyle is probably 50 is he but mm. he lived all this and Irvin Welsh and everything so they for them to revisit it in such an intelligent clever smart way was really unexpected because you cringe yeah. when this was announced. Like, You're like, <clears throat> yeah, it doesn't have the bleakness or the darkness kind of the first film, which it doesn't, or like which it couldn't because they're not they're not a bunch of scagheads anymore, kind of. So it doesn't have that thing. But where the heart and soul comes from is through Spud's character, and because he's kind of been the most left behind, and he's trying to kind of better himself and come on, and that's handled really well, I think. And uh, Robert Carlyle as Bigby is absolutely terrifying. The bit when they finally meet in a toilet uh, is incredibly tense and yeah. perfect. Like it's a, yeah, it's brilliantly directed. The whole kind of thing and little bits. There's bits of archive woven into the film and maybe a few special effects, but very little. Like it just feels really, really well crafted and very smart. It gets got a lot of fives. Um, the independent and stuff but I was I landed on the old four star thing yeah I give a four I would, yeah some of the stuff the exposition bits as they set up why these four people are in the city again for the first time you could argue a little mm. bit thing but because 25 minutes in or 20 minutes in I was like this is all really pointless and then there's a turning point where uh, Renton kind of comes clean 
on why he's back and then then it really really clicks and kicks yeah. off and Spud is brilliant yeah I could see as well like for me I could see where the ending was coming because I was just like so that's kind of where it was a bit like ah oh, that was a wee bit predictable um, but happy with the ending overall was it a wee bit predictable I loved the yeah. ending I didn't it, well, it made sense that the direction they went and but I didn't it still caught me off a little bit yeah so. Love it. So that's out uh, this Friday, or yeah. the 27th, uh-huh. wherever one is. So, uh, yeah, next up, we have films out about two weeks, um, which the whole world is very, very excited about, um, or was excited about. But they'll be big. Uh, so the next two films are big Oscar contenders, we hope, or we presume. We do presume. I have the odds here. So we're going to talk about La La Land. So yeah. The uh, Damien Chazelle musical drama thing starring Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. So this is the runaway favourite. have the odds here. One to five on to win Best Picture. And he's one to ten on to win Best Director. So you get, I think, Moonlight. I think from Bucky's reading about nothing it. about yeah, award I, seasons. Like, the nominations haven't even come out. Like Yeah, there has to be money made there by putting money on Barry Jenkins to win Best Director, no? Like, I know you look at the Directors Guild stuff. Like, La La Land is obviously going to win Best Picture, it seems. But ten to one on, like, Kenneth Lonergan for Manchester by the Sea or... Mm. oh yeah know. The, the, you know, because the, the, these odds are just coming off the Golden Globes and it's just based on the comedy thing like After, I don't yeah. even think La La Land will like it, it'll get nods but I don't think it'll win kind of best I hope not anyway acting ones mm. I'll get best picture it seems do you think it'll win I think so no, Hollywood I think, loves Hollywood. I think Moonlight will win alright put your, put your money on it not on the thing here but you know yeah do you want to take a clip from La La Land or we introduce it? Um, well, you can do the music bit from it. Oh, okay, cool. Which I was going to lead in. Sorry. So this is the kind of theme song, so this will probably win an Oscar as well. Um, City of Stars, Ryan Gosling. City of Stars, are you shining just for me? City of Stars, there's so much that I can't see. Something song like I liked it toward the end from watching it this is out two weeks so we'll yeah. probably have a few spoilers in there so mm. if you haven't seen La La Land yeah maybe Hold scooch off. ahead a little bit but um, I think that some of the songs weren't actually all that strong or a bit annoying no because like it's not a musical in the traditional sense like there are some small big numbers but like even the, the big number at the start in the, f- in some the small big numbers yeah <laughs> very accurate <laughs> in the car in the the motorway I was just like from the start I was a bit like uh, okay yeah. I no. didn't I didn't like that so it opens with the big thing on an LA kind of freeway mm. that the act that the lead characters aren't really even in it's more like a look what i can do yeah like a show we often it's also kind of a christmasy new year's film and this is when it was released in the states so you're kind of getting it now here in january so this is like oh, i want this all to be behind me like the whole thing is the relationship i think between m stone and ryan gosling yeah seb and maya mm-hmm. sebastian uh yeah so he's a jazz pianist played by ryan gosling he's a real old school kind of guy so he seems 
seems to kind of cut anything off like before 1966 or something like that's when he feels that jazz kind of changed for the worse he wants to bring it back to the old time so like you're talking about the anything after that like the electric sort of stuff or the fusion jazz as it's kind of called yeah he seems to hate and the irony being that that's where the money is nowadays you can't make any money as an old time uh jazz pianist but he takes a point to jazz as well to me as well that it's changing and morphing and moving so you can't keep it locked in it there's some good reading yeah and john legend the musician plays uh his friend keith who kind of tries to sort of convince him of that and tries to give him a job anyway the film, while it's a little bit about that, it's obviously a love story between um, Emma Stone plays uh, Mia, who is a wannabe actress who, by coincidence, works in the the coffee, coffee shop, shop on the Warner on the, lot. Yeah. So how does one get that job? I presume I don't know. It yeah, it's a weird kind of a thing. Like, it, but it, I think it's very knowing, and it knows that like this is sort of the aspirational thing that someone would have if they were doing auditions all the time. So. Uh, as they introduced the stuff I found this first maybe half an hour 20 minutes again I found it really hard to get settled into because they spend a lot of time with the characters as separate entities and they do this annoying musical thing where in Maya's apartment where she lives with three other wannabe actresses and they're all they're just all a bit annoying like I had no interest in that so once they unite at the party and all that that's where I was that's where it kind of explodes and it is really about the two of them and it's very funny they have a great chemistry between each other um, which we already knew about yeah and yeah. Gosling is the one I wanted more of like yeah. is you put in, in you wrote up a review and that is his little knowing smile seems to just kind of yeah it's amazing it just kind of suckers you in and like it won't spoil the ending but to me the ending that they do doesn't suit the film because it's kind of making it more uh, give it more of a weight or a bitter sweetness and I was just like the film's a fucking love story musical like what are you tagging this ending onto it for and I was kind of saying it's like in the review that it's very like Casablanca and there's a couple of nods like she comes out of the Warner Brothers cafe at one point and she was like oh that's where Humphrey Bogart and out the window yeah from Casablanca and you're like oh okay right grand so maybe it's foreshadowed a bit by that but I was just like oh. um, I loved the ending and how they did it okay. visually like it's a kind of a musical the nod to there's, without kind of ruining it there's a song at the end and the way they present it as an alternative sort of way of their lives playing out as a love story sort of fun felt relatively different but, okay yeah um i also when i was watching it i would like to see the bollywood version of it i think they do a much better like that song and dancing at the beginning yeah yeah um set in america though yeah. but with bollywood kind of style and everything uh-huh. like that uh and you knew that ryan gosling had music from before dead man's bones yeah, I only heard of that after it, though, kind of, because I was wondering, I was like, oh, it looks like he's playing the piano there. So it was just like, yeah, but apparently he did as well go kind of hardcore for three months learning his how to do more of it and oh, stuff. Oh, he was, he was very, very good. Yeah. You know? um, yeah, so that's it. Anyway, it's you're adamant it's not going to win Best Picture. I'm adamant it will, so this is going to be fun. Super cool, do you want to put money on it? Oh, 20 euro. All right. Okay. We shook we're, hands we're here. We're shaking hands for those. So you're saying it will. I just saying it won't. I don't yeah. have to nominate what will. Don't even have to pick. for the Not for the bet, but for yeah. the record. Why are you putting your best picture? Uh, I want Manchester by the Sea to win. I haven't seen Moonlight yet. And not to be... 
I feel sorry for the Oscars this year and I think Moonlight's going to be a very good film and there's going to be lots of worthy actors of different races and colours who I think will win Oscars because of the controversy over the last two years and they'll be deserving of those awards but people will be like oh they just won that because they were black or they they were Asian or a woman and all these films were pretty much made a year ago when the other Oscars were on and it just just ebbs and flows but yeah yeah. you're you're right Um, it'll be very much adding in the undercurrent of that new president probably doesn't help Mm. as well Um, but uh, the very divided states of America as every news and news program has I want the Oscars to go back to being like having five best uh, the directors and like five best directors which they do and then having five best pictures not this bullshit of 10 films or 11 or 12 just so they can stick it on the poster yeah I think it'll be very low though when you look at what the 10 films are like the likely ones like there's no breakthrough blockbuster like if Deadpool gets a best picture that will exactly no it won't. won't no but like that's there's no there's no we've seen it with you know whatever yeah. they want they did it before in order to get like the Dark Knight or these kind of big budget kind of films so there's nothing going to be in there so yeah. I think it'll, it'll Sing Street if that got a best picture nomination there you go it also won't it'll be in there though it probably won't win song either because mm. there's La La Land and is there something else don't know we shall see there was something I kind of thought I was like oh that'll probably Moana win with the rock some of that yeah. did you see Moana no no still not I saw it over Christmas the songs are, are very good okay. and the rock is very good in it but doesn't really need to be seen in the movie theatre okay. but uh, yeah it's no frozen brilliant nothing's frozen anyway the other kind of we've talked about it enough I suppose we should probably talk about it is uh, Manchester by the Sea came out uh, again about a week or two ago directed by Kenneth Lonergan um, stars Casey Affleck Kyle Chandler Michelle Williams and Lucas Hedges so Casey Affleck plays Lee and it starts off with him kind of as a um, handyman working in buildings kind of like clogging drains sweeping driveways and stuff and so you've, if you've seen the trailer you kind of know well like alright oh, well he's with, with Michelle Williams at some point you know she's in this so they're seemingly not together at the moment you're like oh okay grand um, then he gets a phone call and his brother played by Kyle Chandler has had a heart attack and he's like okay so by the time so he's living in Boston at the moment and he has to drive up to go back to Manchester by the sea which is actually the, the actual name of the town when I looked up on Google Maps it's not just Manchester that happens to be by the sea the town is actually called Manchester by the sea oh. when I, it was the first announced I thought because we were in Manchester New York many years ago we stopped for petrol you and I oh you yeah I not remember that but there you go I thought it was about that yeah it's a different Manchester so by the time he drives back up to Manchester uh, his brother has since died and then uh, he must Kyle Chandler is great by the way just he's brilliant yeah as a he I don't think you could beat he d- I'm glad it wasn't Ben Affleck like there would have oh, been a totally. bit of a temptation because yeah. I think Matt Damon produced this didn't he yeah he was so, it was supposed to be Matt Damon who was in it and directing it but it all just kind of Matt Damon playing Casey Affleck mm, and right. directing it and then oh. it was like just schedules got caught up they did go to Kenneth Lonergan to write it originally to be like here we've got this story will you write it and he's like yeah sure and then stuff happened and he was like actually will you direct it and mm. I was like yeah grand and then Matt Damon was like well I can't be in it actually anymore so then they got Casey Affleck there you go no but uh, Kyle Chandler is brilliant as Joe the great kind of he's his older brother really looks out for him and so then over the course of the film we get these flashbacks to um, their relationship together why Casey Affleck isn't in Boston anymore what isn't in Manchester isn't yeah isn't in Manchester anymore has had to move and that uh, it turned out that Kyle Chandler had uh, a heart condition and he, he has known about it for some time so when he died he'd made preparations that 
uh, Casey Affleck would look after his son, who is Patrick, played by Lucas Hedges, and he would become his guardian. And obviously, he doesn't know anything about this, and he's like, "I can't look after a kid," you know, and like, "I can't be his guardian." Yeah. So it's just like he's that a number of times. Yeah. Um. So we. But he also has a problem with fatherhood and parenthood, which sort of. Yeah. Can we like? Can I don't. I, I don't you think we need shouldn't, to. I think yeah, in terms of how yeah. it goes, like, yeah, there's uh-huh. more darkness from his own past that gets revealed. And you kind of realize why he's not there and why he's not about. Um. So here we have a clip of Casey Affleck talking to Michelle Williams. I don't have anything big to say. It's okay. Just. I know you've been around, and I. Well, just I thought. Just been getting Patrick settled in. It seems like he's doing pretty good, huh? Considering. I think he is, yeah. I guess you don't know this, but I, uh... I really kept in touch with Joe. It's no, been kind of weird for me not seeing Patrick. Oh, oh okay, I, I didn't know. Uh, you could see him if you want. Could I... we ever have lunch? You mean us, you and me? Yeah. So I think tonally that's kind of sets the mood of the film, you know? It's kind of very silent and conversations and Kenneth Lonergan has written an amazing script um, the way it's directed is perfect uh, slowly builds and then you realise what has happened and and it just kind of it's really a devastating film it's so uh, I was in bits after it for like about two days you were just kind of like it's such such fantastic performances I think Casey Affleck definitely has to win the best Oscar um, Michelle best will actor Oscar yeah. First, yeah Michelle will probably and he got a globe yeah so she'll get support and would she or would she get she's not, she's not in it that much I don't think to get yeah. I don't know like it often yeah. it's, it often is in the minutes that someone's on screen with the mm. kind of momentum do you um, have to have a main actress to be uh, supporting no because the main no, sort of picture yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so yeah really really loved it I think it's a great kind of exposition of men's inability to kind of like deal with emotion or talk to each other about emotion and you were saying like Kyle Chandler's great in it and it's just there's that lovely kind of brotherly relationship between the two of them where to just like there's a scene where the two of them are just when Casey's about to go off to Boston the two of them are just outside the thing and to kind of have this awkward like hug thing and it's just it's it's lovely like you know uh, so I thought it was brilliant and Give mm. it five stars. And the the teenager uh, Lucas mm. Hedges. Patrick is his name. Yeah, Sorry. Patrick. Yeah, um, he's kind of brilliant as well. Like, as you beforehand, you could think about what that role could be like. Okay, a recently bereaved teenager to a single dad. Oh, it's gonna be all moping and really upset. But like, the night that like he gets the news, like he wants his girlfriend to come over, yeah, and then yeah. it turns out he has two girlfriends. So like, he's quite realistic. Like, he's a cool dude, but he. Mm. He has also come to terms. He sort of knew this might be coming. Was and coming kind of, yeah. His main thing is he wants to stay in Manchester. And yeah. he has his band and he has his life there. So um, he doesn't really, you know, he grieves. And that, and that's another element to the masculinity and the parenthood thing that he, how do young kind of men allow themselves to get really, really upset about stuff? And it's only through the bits of the film, like the scene probably um, it involves kind of him just in the kitchen. The, yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, where that and he finally has this kind of breakdown mm. so powerful so that was a fascinating revelation like that was a small wee detail in the film so basically they live in Manchester and it's really snowy uh, at the time when uh, Joe the, dies yeah and they can't bury him because the ground is too hard so they have to keep him in a freezer for a couple of months until mm. the ground thaws and I was just like that's insane yeah 
I think in and they hinted at it I think in some modern uh, graveyards still get diggers in but yeah. because this is your man wanted to be buried in this ancient graveyard so they they don't allow the kind of digger things so it has to be hand done mm-hmm. which is impossible to do but yeah it is amazing it left it just leaves you kind of with so many things and the way it's edited like I don't know what what sort of awards it, it needs to get but it's so well done in terms of flashbacks and there's a lot of silent scenes there's a particular flashback thing related to the main incident of trauma without giving anything away oh yeah there's no audio track from that we're getting more more music over the whole thing yeah it's so powerful and it's absolutely brilliant so yeah it certainly affected me more than La La Land if that's Mm -hmm. what we're talking about awardsy stuff so yeah yeah anyway we will see on Tuesday at lunchtime you'll be able to watch them on YouTube or wherever to see what gets the main things it always comes back with this film got the most nominees nominations but I don't know what that will end up being it's been a funny year but we'll be doing another podcast in about three to four weeks where we kind of preview those Contenders. I've been trying to watch the documentary, so I watched Zero Days, the Alex Gibney one about uh, cyber security. It's very good. Oh, cool. Um, so that, I think, is one of the likely top five. And we'll have the fingers crossed for Sing Street to get yeah. the best song. I saw a short at Galway, and I can't remember if it's up or if it's in contention, because I think the shorts kind of work kind of different at the Oscars, don't they? Where like mm. you kind of know almost before they're announced, like it's whittled down it, to like ten, yeah, I think and then a short, yeah, you can be in the ten. So we probably would have heard if something was in the mix. Figured, but. yeah, it's a great one about a the world's oldest man, but he's a twin brother. He's a brother, oh. and yeah, so. cool. So anyway, do you have a movie moment of the month? Will, yeah. I, will I give you mine? Yeah, I think you it's going to be the same. Oh, okay, go for it. <laughs> it's the um, it's from Train Spotting Two. And it's the, let's say, the sectarian song. Oh, I don't want to ruin anything. Yeah, that's hilarious. It's absolutely brilliant. Like, as a, uh, the, spool, so the Spool.ie podcast is a uh, sectarian Protestant Catholic merging here. Yeah. So, like, you know, it's yeah. very, very We very like funny. to see ourselves as a, you know, lighthouse yeah. for the North's yeah. conflicts at and the moment. There's a bit about the Battle of the Boyne, which is like, <laughs> I grew up in the battle, in the middle of the Battle of the Boyne site. So yeah. I just think it's great. No, so. it's hilarious. And Does it kind of leads into a great joke then as well. With, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Two great jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Because you get a double. Yeah. Anyway, when people get to see that, I'm sure you'll yeah. look forward to that. Uh, no, saying? I've done the thing where I'm kind of picking one movie moment from the month is probably from Manchester by the Sea, just something from that. But I kind of want to talk quickly about another film that I saw. It came out last year, but I only saw it this month called Rats, a documentary on Netflix directed by Morgan Spurlock and it's basically like a horror film uh, all about rats and how we're screwed because it's really hard to kill them now they're absolutely riddled with disease so he goes to all these different parts in the world like India and uh, America and like uh, all in New Orleans where Hurricane Katrina was there's scientists who are researching rats mm-hmm. with the spread of disease and everything um, but the moment from it is it goes to England and there's certain farms where they just a load of like it's like something from oh it's just terrifying to get loads of like 40 terriers throw them out in a farm and they go rat hunting and then they get the rats and so there's this moment where there's two terriers basically ripping a rat in half they won't let go of it and a farmer has to put his foot down to stand on the rat so he can pull the two terriers off and it's just like oh my god and um, so this is on netflix on netflix well worth okay. seeing i read a great thing uh in either one of these New Yorker time or something it was in print because I remember having it in my hands but uh, it was about how trying the solution to solving the rat uh, crisis will be to remove their ability to reproduce so to give them the pill 
effectively the the pill and um, put it into their water t- table in enough big cities and they've done these calculations if they that's the only solution because they can't mean, kill them with rat poison no so don't try to immune just to, let yeah. them die naturally but disable their ability to have they're not called kittens what are baby rats called from this pups are they pups no, no. i don't know but d- disable their ability so that's what they think so it's in this they've done trials and stuff um and it's been successful in small things but they haven't really a notion how to swell it out but apparently new yeah. york bill de blasio is very interested in mm. pushing it out there so oh, no, it's I look yeah, to it, yeah i do it's definitely worth a watch so out of yeah. five? Oh, four. yeah four very good all mm. right so um that's a wrap on February, but uh, and well January and February. My sorry, no, no that's a wrap on January. My yes. pick. Have yes. you got a pick for February? Well, I give you mine. Yeah, go for it. All right, very good. So this is a film that uh, is out. It's the it's likely to be one of the awards contenders for the best foreign language film. It's called Tony Erdman, and it's a film that is almost impossible to describe. It's two hours and forty five minutes. Wow. It's a comedy drama. It's surreal. It's farcical it's hilarious it's very very sad very clever it was sight and sounds film of the year i think last year wasn't it it was yes was it number one i think so yeah okay so we um it's it's very hard the scenes in it that are indelibly linked into my brain now that i'm not able to think but in a lovely it's not disgusting like it's a just a very funny weird film so i wish it the best that the best was out on february the third brilliant uh, mine is Moonlight just kind of want to see it now because everyone's been talking about it so much kind of coming of age film about um, a black youth in America and um, yeah it's out the 24? 17th of February oh the 17th okay yeah. excellent sounds like so. a nice Valentine's Day date yes Valentine's definitely the 14th Nigel not the 17th also Gillian O'Hare's birthday in case he's listening to us she's not listening probably not listening to us no anyway uh, during the week you were lucky enough to attend the launch of the Audi Dublin International Film Festival how are you getting on saying Audi 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 they did a, they've done a genius thing and I'm not being sarcastic I genuinely mean this so um, instead of the audience award at the ADF festival they now have the audience award that's that's actually very smart people yeah. will adapt to that I was just like them. that's brilliant yeah. Um, yeah so it's on from 16th to the 26th of February the whole pro- program is on the website uh, diff.ie um, yeah no it looks good solid program uh, Nigel's being really annoying and having his wedding in the end of it so you know kind of you're going to miss the surprise film I will miss the surprise film and I'll miss it'll be hard to watch the Oscars uh, because on the Ah, uh, never mind that but I was just like oh no he's gonna because you've I attended know. all of them have you? Uh, well I didn't live in Ireland for a while but <laughs> I I it's I love going to it I just like the idea of a giant audience yeah. not knowing what they're going to see they haven't they've been a bit indifferent over a couple of different years but um, I yeah I there's a couple of things earlier on in the week that I hope to get to the there's a really really strong Irish film representation at it which I think they dropped the ball in previous years a little bit and got caught out with I think um, they'll leave that up to Galway even I think so but Galway's Irish film slate at last year's wasn't wasn't brilliant so I think mm. they picked out a few but two um, that I've kind of caught that kind of caught my eye one is from the uh, documentary maker Ken Wardrop who we know from. Uh, his and hers his and hers exactly and um, the one from last summer that I've forgotten what it's called because we were both a bit peeved by it but anyway The Piano Lesson and it's uh, playing on the Monday 20th of February so at Mother's yeah what was it called I know I'll keep thinking you go on yeah to. anyway at 6.30 it's in the IFI um, the Monday the 20th so 
it seems like a very simple basic documentary just about um taking your piano lessons and how it sounds really simple i i don't know i i I found music lessons and exams is very very confusing and weird and but i do think they're very cinematic and the music in it allows you very strong so i'm looking forward to that I have a minor grudge against my parents, one of only very small, because we, as every family in Ireland, had a piano in their house at one point and made all their children learn the piano. But by the time it came to my point, they were like, none of us have learned this. We don't care. Uh, we're, get, we're selling the piano. So I have this thing that I was like, maybe I'm deadly at the piano and I don't know. You know, it, I could have been, the, you know, the new Beethoven or something, but we'll never know. City of Stars. Yeah, exactly. Where's my musical? Um, The other one then, it's a sort of a weird, uh, it's a personal choice because I saw the exhibition, but it's um, directed by Paddy Cahill. It's also a documentary. Um, Amanda Coogan Long now. So Amanda Coogan is a performance artist who, she spent a lot of, a six week um, period last year in the RHA gallery just doing her work, like exhibiting their um, movement pieces and moving around the gallery. It was really strange, like, I went there one day with um, our friend Essna and we just watched Amanda walk up and down the stairs really slowly but beautifully. Um, Amanda also did a documentary for T last year um, because she is deaf and signs and about the sign signing community in Ireland. Um, that's not what this is about, but she... I know, I just admire her as a performer and everything. So this is a documentary that's on on Saturday the 18th at noon. So I could get to that one. Definitely, yeah. Uh, I have one or two. Uh, I Am Not Your Negro which is on, I think it's on on a Tuesday. Um, it's kind of like a documentary film based on uh, a book that wasn't finished and stars Samuel L. Jackson, different thing. I think it's kind of going to be like another 13th, you know, very of its time. Then there's another film called My Entire High School Sinking Into the Sea. And my attention was just drawn to that kind of because of the, the title. Um, but it seems to be an animation and has, oh, Jason Schwartzman in it, Leonard Dunham and other great kind of... Uh, actors so I always like going with a daft film title there was the one from the uh, a pigeon sitting on a branch looking at its self existence or something uh, so yeah and then one that won't get to see but I'm curious about is called David Lynch The Art Life love everything to do with uh, David Lynch so hard to get to that one yeah yeah um, Olivier Assayas also has his next film following up from Clouds of Seal Maria called Personal Shopper so Kirsten Stewart an absolutely stupid article on the RTE Culture site said wondering what Kirsten Stewart's been up to since uh, Twilight I'm like no like she's been in loads of things I saw something else it was well, the stupidest just, oh then they've taken obviously from that into the news section because there's something in the news under entertainment uh, Kirsten Stewart like Donald Trump is really into me I was just like, what, what are they talking about? Anyway, that's, um, I saw it here. It's on Wednesday, the 22nd. It's playing in Sydney World, the 26th. And then um, Neruda, the Pablo Larraín one. So they'd be three or four. It's actually a very strong program. They've done a really good job. It's a difficult time of year to put a festival together. It All the it's big Oscar before, ones yeah. are done and dusted. They're pretty much out. I don't know, is anything even like Moonlight is out? That's probably the last big one. Some of those ones like Fences or Hidden... Um, the, the, no, I don't know. The, when oh, you hidden. Know, uh, what's it called? Is it it's called Hidden F. Women? No. No. We can't the remember. The astronaut one. Yeah, but there was a joke on American late night at the at the Globes because people got fences, which is a Denzel Washington hidden figures. Oh, sorry, yes. People got fences and hidden figures confused and there was loads of people on the Golden Globes red carpet who said, oh yeah, hidden fences. And they, they made a trailer for this okay. made up film. So they're both about... Uh, 
black actress uh, cast and stuff so people were saying that people trying to be like diverse in their choices but they don't actually know anything so um, yeah there's loads absolutely yeah so 16th 26th February diff.ie obviously we'll try and get to as many stuff as we can and we'll uh, include a roundup in the February yeah and there's stuff actually outside of those dates and outside of Dublin as well so Mm -hmm. there's bits going on tour so definitely worth checking that out they have a fantastic flicks uh, section which is more so because they don't have an alcohol sponsor anymore it's now Audi children can now go to the film festival because technically before it was kind of strictly an over 18s thing Uh, so now they have a film thing which is called Fantastic Flicks so they have a preview of the Lego Batman movie so cool yeah all right well we'll wrap that up we'll be back in a couple of weeks with some oscar predictions and previews we'll have caught up on the last few ones of those that we'll have to see and then who knows we might do a bit more preview talk about this at that stage have a good month bye choose life choose a job choose a career choose a family Choose a fucking big television. Choose washing machines, cars, compact displays and electrical tin openers. <laughs> Choose good health, low cholesterol and dental insurance. Choose fixed interest mortgage repayments. Choose a starter home. Choose your friends. Choose leisure wear and matching luggage. Choose a three-piece suite on higher purchase and a range of fucking fabrics. Choose DIY and wondering who the fuck you are on a Sunday morning. Choose sitting on that couch watching mind-numbing, spirit-crushing game shows, stuffing fucking junk food into your mouth. Choose rotting away at the end of it all, pissing your last in a miserable home, nothing more than an embarrassment to the selfish, fucked up brats that you've spawned to replace yourselves. Choose your future. Choose life. But why would I want to do a thing like that? I chose not to choose life. I chose something else. And the reasons? There are no reasons. Who needs reasons when you've got head on? I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one.